Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. The role of technology in formal educational institutions has been gradually changing over the decades, with a lot of debate on the impact and the way technology should shape teaching and learning in the future. The 2020 pandemic suddenly changed everything. Around the world, from one day to the next, with no preparation or training, millions of educators and students switched to fully online learning, integrating several technologies into the school experience. Although emergency online learning is not an ideal that anyone should aspire to, the way that no one would recommend teaching someone to swim by throwing them into the turbulent ocean, but there are many valuable insights to be gained. This is one of two episodes in which we dig deeper into one school and one university's experience of emergency online learning, how they manage the challenges and what they learned along the way. Elmwood School is an independent K-12 day school for girls in Ottawa, Canada. Elmwood is accredited at all three levels of the International Baccalaureate Program, and 100% of the graduates are accepted to leading universities around the world. In terms of technology, Elmwood is at the forefront of integrating the latest educational technologies into their teaching and learning. James Whitehouse is the head of Elmwood School and also teaches grade 12 IB history. Previously, James was deputy head of the middle and senior school for seven years at Elmwood. And before coming to Canada, James was assistant head of Seven Kings High School in Redbridge, London, UK. Thank you very much, James, for joining me today. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. Before we get into your experience of emergency online learning, can you give us an insight of what does teaching and learning look like uh, before the pandemic at Elmwood and specifically how technology played a role in teaching and learning? So we know where we're coming from. Yeah, sure. So, um, so first of all, the learners are at the heart of everything we do. So the classrooms are very different from how they would have been even 20 years ago in terms of the layout. So it's very collaborative. Um, students lead the learning. They ask the questions. Um, they start most classes with a big topic or a big idea. Mm-hmm. And they explore that big idea and they investigate it through their own questioning and their own inquiry. And the teacher really um, helps shape their thinking and their ideas and the conversations and debate. Uh, the teacher has, has long since been just the, um, the holder of content and knowledge and is now more of a facilitator of getting new knowledge or new skills. But really, it's about developing the girl's skills and using content as a vehicle to do that. Um, the classrooms are not set up with desks in rows, but more girls sat around, even on the floor on beanbags, having discussions, conversations. Um, There is some of the old traditional styles of uh, students writing essays in class, taking notes by hand. We feel that that's really important still. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll talk about technology in a second, but there's a lot of science um, in terms of learning in the brain that makes connections between hand and paper and pen and how the connections are made and how learning is embedded. So, but the, the, the whole environment of learning is about um, student-centered kind of critical thinking and student-centered questioning, which will lead their own inquiry and their love and passion. For me, if someone's not passionate, the, the learning isn't sticky um, and we need learning to be sticky for it to stay. You, anyone can learn something the night before an exam and take the exam and do well. 
but that's not what good learning is. And so the school really has in the last 10 years moved in, in huge ways into making sure that um, the, the girls are actually learning, they're thinking and understand that process more about themselves. Um, technology, we are very fortunate in that um, we've been, technology has been important to us for a long time, but it's, it's really important to remember that technology is a tool. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it helps us learn. It's not, it's not the thing that replaces all of the other good stuff that goes on in the classroom. Our director of technology would say uh, the computer is just like a pen. Um, you choose when and how you're going to use it to help you most in your learning. Um, in saying that, we've had a learning management system for 10 years, almost 10 years, called Schoology. So the students have been used to submitting assignments online. They've, used, they've been used to seeing their teachers' classes online. They've been used to having video summaries of, of lessons online. And they've been used to that kind of environment where um, our, particularly in the middle senior school, where our, our life as a school is, is online. It's almost like a Facebook platform, but with learning integrated into it. And we're an Apple distinguished school. So we have a lot of professional development coming from Apple. Um, and, and it's not about, we are an Apple Mac school. It's more about how do we use um, technology in the classroom to support learning. So teachers using iPads um, as a note-taking tool um, on the hop. So they're not, they're not just using predetermined keynotes or PowerPoints. They're actually engaging with the kids as they go. Mm, it's fantastic that there are a lot of resources and you have been using technology in different ways for a long time, but that you're also, as you said, it's a tool and writing has its place and sitting in different formations has its place. And it's really important that you find the best strategy for the learning. So I, I really love that. And that is absolutely fantastic. So we are coming from a place where there is a lot of fantastic pedagogy and resources, but the pandemic really hit everyone in different ways, but in big ways. So uh, I, I'm very happy that you're sharing your experience and Elmwood's experience of this emergency long online learning. So can you tell me what happened? What was the experience like when from one day to the next, suddenly everything changed? And with the understanding that teaching online, we've been talked about in literature and in practice for a long time, preparation and, and training uh, is a long road. But in this instance, it was a snap of a finger and it switched. So what was the experience of that instant switch online? And how did the teachers and students experience that? That's a great question. So for, it was actually relatively fortunate about the timing of when um, the schools were closed. So we were halfway through our March break. I, I remember it being the end of the first week and um, the board and I met to discuss what would happen if the school needed to close. And we made a decision very quickly that we would instantly transition online. A lot of schools in the independent sector um, took a week of school, regular school time to try and get um, teachers up to speed. But I felt I had huge confidence in our staff and faculty that they had the skills and the tools and most importantly, the attitude to, to tackle this. Plus, I also felt that um, delaying going online would also add to some anxiety for the students and the parents and also the staff. Um, one thing about schools and learning is that we love to learn. And actually looking back was that we did this straight away and we were learning every day. So we couldn't have done anywhere near the volume of learning or the speed at which we did it had we waited. So going online immediately, we had a week to prepare. And so I did contact the faculty over that last week of their March break and say, look, this is what we're doing. They were fantastic, um, incredibly supportive and very optimistic about what it would look like. 
as I said, up in the middle senior school, we had this system. We had Schoology, which was, also, was, which was going to be a fantastic vehicle for us to, to be able to at least hold um, lessons and, and have students be able to share their work mm-hmm. with teachers. But we also had been using Google as an environment for a long time. So we've been collaborating on Google tools for at least four or five years. So the students were used to that as a collaborative tool. And then we just introduced the Google Meets. That was a quick and easy decision for us because it had the educational principles behind and the security that we needed. And so we made a decision that we would have Google Meet as our video um, backbone. We would use Google tools to collaborate and share. And we'd use Schoology as our method of holding information. That was an easy decision because we'd been using all of these tools. The board did ask me if I was sure that it was that we were ready. I held my breath a little bit and said 100% we're ready. <laughs> and I, you know what? From day one, I would say the biggest factor of our success was the kids. The girls were unbelievable. They knew we were taking risks. I mean, we talk about risk taking every day here and how important it is. And it was time for us to take a risk. And so we told them that. We said, look, we're taking risks. We need your feedback. And so every week, the girls gave us feedback on how we could improve, what we could change, what we could do differently. Mm. And very, very quickly, we built a system which was uh, effective. It's not, it was emergency teaching. This, this is not, we didn't plan and prepare for it. But it, it, it moved from emergency to being quite normal quite quickly. Mm. I'm not saying it wasn't stressful for people. But yeah, I was super, so proud. It's really great that you got the insights from the students. How did you collect that on a weekly basis? We sent surveys out and they completed them, but we also spent a lot of time talking to them. Mm-hmm. So one of the big concerns was mental health and mental well-being. Right. So each teacher had students they would reach out to and check in with. And through that, you'd get anecdotal comments about how it was doing, how they were going. And we would talk to parents too. We asked parents to fill in surveys. And the big thing we learned was we were expecting too much. Is that... Um, learning online, we figured might actually mean we could do more, but actually we realized quite quickly it's a harder medium for students to to learn with, and we were expecting too much. Expecting too much of how much to learn? And how much work the kids how can do. How much work, okay. So we were setting the same amount of assignments as we would in person, and mm. I think we probably felt that that would be okay, but very quickly we realized it wasn't. So we quickly head back what we were expecting in terms of particularly assessments and things like that. But the big thing was we just reached out through surveys or in person and we kept on refining our product Mm. uh, because of the feedback from the kids and the parents. That's hugely important. I mean, getting that feedback also in terms of educational technology, it's always been said, always feel, have that open dialogue where students can feed in and help you out if the teacher, something isn't working with the technology to help you out. But this is a whole other level of mental well-being, a completely different way of learning. So having surveys every week to to understand what people are experiencing is fantastic. And for the parents, and you said you even assigned teachers with specific students that they would call and check in with. So nobody got left out of that. Um, And teachers to teachers too. We were very worried, not just, sorry, our our whole staff were, we had a buddy system that meant that every week you'd be checking in on your buddy. And we were paired with people we hadn't really worked with much before. Mm, So my buddy is um, one of the chefs. And so since then, we we still see each other every weekend just to catch up and just to check in. So that support network was hugely important because it's all about attitude. Mm -hmm. The switch and change is all about approach and attitude. That's, and it's about how your culture responds to, to change. Yes. And the girls are just incredible. The, the culture of the school had really met, prepared them for this kind of shift. Yes, Almudi does have a very, very strong community. Oh, yeah. And that is a wonderful and important part of the school, of 
is of any school that is able to have that great community. So actually creating that is really interesting that you had a buddy system for all the staff just makes it even better for after the pandemic. So what did you find was difficult? You said you had a week in preparing teachers for this type of learning. What did, what were the main things that you were preparing for? Yeah, so I mean, initially it was training. So the, just the, the basics. So using Google Meet, we, we hadn't been using it as a widespread tool. A few, okay. a few people had, but we've never used it as, as much as we did. So the first thing was, is that how do we do that? And the privacy requirements around that, making sure that all the legal things around that were, were centered and, and solid. So we focused first of all on that. Um, the biggest learning for our staff was in the junior school, because up until this point, our junior school students don't really start to get integrated into technology until grade four. Mm-hmm. So we have this whole group of students from pre-K all the way up to grade four that have no um, exposure to technology. So a lot and a lot of energy and effort went into those teachers who are going to have to very quickly train parents and students on how to access these tools. And I would say that was the biggest challenge. Predominantly, my experience has been with um, middle senior school, but I spent a lot of time learning about learning styles and approaches in younger children because I knew that that was going to be a significant challenge for us because these kids aren't, particularly from pre-K to to grade one, they're not as independent. They're going to need a lot more parental support. And we started to worry about what were the stresses going to be at home and how much time could a younger student cope with online and what was good for their, their well-being. So it was a lot of training in that. Right. Yeah. So the technology side of it, and also in terms of how they learn and how they are teaching using the online uh, platform, what was important for the, for the junior school? Because you said they haven't really even used the technology. So once they're used to the technology, how did the teaching and learning change? You know, I think it was routine was really important to them. Um, whereas up in the middle senior school, a lot of things could be changed quite quickly and the kids adapt very quickly. Mm-hmm but routine, so time of day when they started, the type of engagement they got immediately wasn't anything routine-based or normal. It was fun, engaging, story times, contact with their homeroom teacher, just a check-in, more of a a well-being check-in. And then you would have your more kind of academic subjects in the mornings. So the math would be the first kind of approach they would do. But again, it would be blocked. They wouldn't have, in the middle senior school, the timetable didn't change. The Mm -hmm. girls learned online as they did in person. They came to the classes. It was the video aspect. You only ever did 10, 15 minutes, but the girls still followed that schedule. In the junior school, we changed it quite significantly. Why was that? Just because of the the amount of time on screen without having the tools or the training to be able to use all of those tools was going to be too overwhelming for not only the students, but the parents at home. Because in many respects, we had parents at home who had their daughter, but also maybe a son, but they're also at work at home. So we realized you've got parents working and you've got students at home and the students are going to need support. So we limited the amount of things that they needed to do, which required interventions. And that was, that was huge. I've got a big credit to the junior school um, deputy head, um, Christine Blackadder. She really, she, her background's technology, which was fantastic, but she really, really um, was responsive to changes and parents and again, hearing from parents was key to us. Is we prepared, but we changed in two weeks. I would say we 180% changed everything just to accommodate what the parents were feeling. That's great. And of course, in the workplace as well, the fact that we get really tired being on screen and having an in-person conversation is actually 
less tiring than if that same conversation happened over Zoom for many, many reasons. So moving the subjects that required more focus and may have been more difficult for the children to do that in the morning is such a great way of taking advantage of the higher energy in the morning and then uh, doing the the less strenuous activities in the afternoon. It does, and it stayed. We've kept that. So there's a lot of learning we've taken from this. We'll get onto that later, I'm sure. But there's a lot of stuff that we that um, we'll keep from this experience. So in terms of the the senior students, what was their experience in that sudden shift? It's a, the number one thing was one. One was huge gratitude that we had done this so quickly because they had a lot of exposure to friends who were in public schools or and or different types of schools, independent to, and they weren't getting this level of quick response. It is the fact that people delayed, the girls felt it, it made those people feel uncertain that people knew what they were doing. They loved that we came straight back on, even if we weren't perfect. That, that was the first thing they came back to us and said is like, thank you for doing it because it gave us our routine back. Um, that was number one. The second big thing is I've already spoke to is they expressed that we were expecting too much. There was two, there were some teachers who were delivering 80 minutes online. So the, it was like a Google meet for 80 minutes. So they were taking the classroom experience yeah. and replicating it. But again, so many reasons of why online discussions are much more exhausting. 100%. So many more distractions when you're not in the physical space. I mean, there's definitely a lot of research around the importance of physical spaces. So that's a really good thing to change. It, that was that was honestly the single biggest thing mm. where they were expecting. And that's what changed very quickly for us. We, we then put out a set of rules to say how long you could do video for. And the fact you didn't actually have to do video every day. Um, we, all the teachers um, put the workout first thing in the morning to all their classes. So students could choose whether or not they were gonna attend the in-person session. And a teacher would have to say, it's important you attend the video session or say, you don't need to today. So the students, if they wanted to, could get their work done early and then have the afternoon off if they needed to. So the flexibility it gave them was one of the bigger learnings that we did is as soon as we moved away from this concept of they have to be online with us for 80 minutes, the whole well-being of the place changed, if you like. And it was exhausting for teachers too, trying to entertain almost for 80 minutes. The sea of faces, sometimes they, they wouldn't put the camera on. And so we had to put some rules and stuff around cameras and engagement and being present when you're asked to be present. That, I mean, that was the biggest thing for us is that um, the, the very quick feedback from them is that we have to slow down a little bit. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. it was good for us. It was, it was very useful for us. And it was a learning thing about, as you said, is that learning online is exhausting. And things do, it's a different medium and, and you do need different strategies for it. So what else did the teachers change in terms of their pedagogy? What were some of the their other strategies that, that you embedded in the teaching? So the, some very clear things. Less teacher talk was number one. Uh, and we've been trying to work on that for teachers for a long time. This idea that they are not the sage on the stage, that they don't have this, they don't, they shouldn't occupy more time than the student's voice. So um, that was number one is get rid of the amount of um, teacher voice. Uh, number two was how can we still collaborate online? So how can the girls still mm-hmm. um, debate online? How can they have Socratic moments online? Uh, and so developing the tools, the technological tools that enabled them to, to have those moments of debate. And what we found is that some girls who struggled to do it in person actually found more confidence online. And so we saw girls, their confidence increase because they could now debate online. 
which was, mm. you know, it was a lovely tool. What did you use for that, for that debate? So within, um, within Schoology, there, there are different features that we can use. There's either a live chat function, which allows girls to do chatting there. They use blog functions, but they also use live video. Um, and it was moderated by the teacher. So, and, but if a student was concerned about having their video on, they could turn it off so long as they were contributing to the, to the debate. So Schoology, our system actually had all these embedded tools within it already that enabled us to do sorts of, and it also allows you to put um, other tools within it. So they could, the, the teachers would, would find a tool, share it amongst the staff. But our rule was that teachers can't just keep on adding tools. They have to suggest it and then the whole staff would, would use it. Just because what we didn't want to do is overwhelm kids with 17 or 18 different technological tools. And suddenly teachers are using multiple different things. So that, but, and also then we made sure that the teachers' resources were far clearer than they had been in the past. Whereas in the past, a teacher would have, a, would have notes or a keynote or something, and they would rely on their own kind of um, teaching to cover for some of the mistakes or gaps. The resources became much clearer and much more concise mm-hmm. and much more useful for student learning that didn't rely on a teacher. So the resources that went out to the students. Yeah, there was, so all of them, all the lessons are online. So every lesson that we teach is online on Schoology now. So for my history class, um, they can see everything from now to the end of the year what they're going to be learning. And now you made that much more concrete and and far better. The material's way better now. Mm, That's fantastic. Well, that's really, really good. Reflecting back on all of these experiences, what do you think was most challenging? There's a couple of things. I would say number one was not being able to really understand the mental impact it was having on the girls, their their health and wellness. It was really, that was the thing that was really keeping me up at night was I was just so worried about the impact it was having and not being able to identify because when you see the girls around the school, it's a, it's a quick visual, you know, you, you can see you can sense a change in kids if something's wrong, but being online, you, you can almost be absent for so long from that contact that you, I, I was just worried about how they were doing. And, and not mm-hmm. certain that we were getting all the data we needed to help them. That was, num- that was number one. Number two was all of the changes that the province was making to policy and what our students and parents were hearing as, a, as opposed to what we were doing, right? Because a lot of schools mm-hmm. were maybe teaching an hour a week. And so our kids were getting, it was the same. They, they were in class just as they had been. And so, and they were saying that exams were cancelled in the province and they were saying that the, the girls' marks weren't going to change um, after the March break. So a student who has got, like, I don't know, if I was a student maybe going through this, I, if, I mark, if my mark was good at the March break, I didn't have to do any work and my mark wouldn't change. So all of this um, policy that was coming down from the government, which I don't disagree with, it was just wasn't what we were doing. So we were still giving our girls assessments. We were still ensuring they were learning. We were sure, still making sure there was no gaps. We were still doing rigorous assessment with them. And it's had a huge impact. Now you can see it because there's no gaps. But at the time, it was, this could go, like our kids could be like, you know what? No one else is doing this. <laughs> so thank goodness for Ashbury. They were also in the same boat as us. So we had a couple of schools really still holding this line of, this is what we're doing. So that was a bit of a stressful, but, and it's just like, what is the government going to tell us we have to do? So the communication was really important to yeah. the communication you had with the students, with the teachers, with the community at large. Yeah. But it feels like every week there was something. Every week there was something else to worry about. 
It's, I always felt, in my, in my naivety at the time, I always felt, oh, we'll be open in two weeks. Pretty much every two weeks, I was like, don't worry, two weeks time, we'll be, it'll be fine, <laughs> we'll be open. And then as, as we started to get closer and closer, I started to, yeah, have that dawning realization that no, we won't be able to have a full graduation and all the sadness of that. So that was very sad for us is that our grade 12s didn't get that. Absolutely. That very special graduation they deserve. So that was hard too. Definitely. There's a lot of special occasions that had to be reimagined in different ways. So that's huge. It was certainly a very, very challenging time. And so much of those challenges are continuing around the world. But what do you look back onto as having been big successes that you think this really worked? Yeah, I mean, one is the teacher's pedagogical development. It's huge. The strategic plan that's coming out that was due to come out this September the first pillar was all about improving, improving learning and teaching. And I couldn't have ever hoped to have made the amount of progress in terms of pedagogy that these teachers have made in the past six months. So number one, huge, that's a huge success, is that the teachers, their adaptability, their resilience, their grit to really um, learn new skills and tools. And that's continuing today. Like I was just watching a teacher teach in person and online at the same time. And having these online learnings and in-person learnings create a community together. That's huge. That, I don't think we'll ever get that the speed of pedagogical improvement than I've seen. You know, being in an emergency situation, everyone has to pick up pace and, and there's a lot of fast learning. But in addition to that, and there's the wonderful teachers already in the school. But in addition to that, what do you look back on and think, this is what really was a good trigger for that. This is what helped facilitate that learning that I could change or that someone else could change. So we have, I mean, no, it's, it's all about the values you have already. So I, the value of um, technology in the school and learning, our director of technology was phenomenal. I will say in this moment, like he put on, he basically created cohort sharing. So we were always weekly sharing things that were working and sharing tools and skills and stuff that had been successful. So as a community, every, almost every day I could look at this resource and see what was working. And I think that that mm -hmm. ability as a faculty to share and not go into isolation when you're at home away from everyone was probably the most significant thing. And, and it was led by him um, because we trust him and he's been around for a long time and technology has been such an important part of our lives here, but his, um, willingness to share and make mistakes, but also get us to share as a team. That, that was, it wasn't one tool. It wasn't one moment. It was this collective will to make sure the girls weren't let down. That, that was the, one of the things I was so, so keen not to let happen is that these girls were not going to miss learning, that that wasn't going to happen. And so, and so it was a collective sharing. I think that the feedback you get from each other and the sharing you give is huge because that's what drives learning. The teachers. Right. So that, that was definitely mm -hmm. huge. And building that foundation for any organization is so important to get through the tough times. Very often it really is about what kind of culture, what kind of ingrained habits do you build into an organization before anything difficult happens. So much of that I agree. pushes you through and brings you to the There's no end. time for it. When you're in an emergency, there's no time no. to build culture. Mm -hmm. Culture has <laughs> to exist already. Otherwise, you're going to be in a bit of trouble. Exactly. I will say our community stepped up. The parents were incredible. I heard horror stories of um, school, my like schools in Toronto and, and heads who were constantly being inundated with criticisms and complaints, whereas our community were just stunning. It was 
full-on support. Everything they did tell us was about feedback and improvement, not about complaint. So, but that one of the big learnings was to slow down. It's like, it, it was a chance for us to slow down and reflect. And it wasn't about trying to do more. It was the girls told us we were going too fast. And so the biggest learning, and I'm taking that on now, is that we need to stop trying to do so much because you don't actually achieve anything because you're trying to juggle so much. You focused in on the essentials and on the core. That's it. That- and fo- the focus was really good learning and teaching. Like mm-hmm. that, that's it. That was it. That was it. Like, let's make sure that these kids are, are safe in their learning environment and they're learning. Starting this year, we did the same thing. It's like, let's make sure we have a safe reopening, but the girls feel safe and they love their learning. That's, what, that's what's going to mm-hmm. get us through. And what kind of things did you let go? Like, what did you say, you know what, this can wait till later? Yeah, that's a great question. There were a ton of projects that teachers were doing individually that were, there were good projects, great projects, but um, at the time they weren't whole school. So the projects would be affecting a couple of people, but not everybody. So we started to notice that we were, uh, all these teachers had their own professional goals and targets. And sometimes they weren't aligned with a central school goal. So we suddenly realized that there's all this stuff going on. People are busy and they're tired and they're overwhelmed by things. And they're things that we don't need to happen. So we went back to some core values quite quickly of what are we here for is to produce outstanding teaching and learning. And so we could remove some of that stuff and events, taking away events in the school has allowed teachers to have time to do better assessment, to give better feedback to kids. Meetings, yeah. meetings used to be in person and it would take you 10 minutes to start a meeting. So everyone's checking in on everybody. Everyone's getting to the meeting physically and the location they're being held up. But on, on virtual meetings like this, they start and end at a time and it's much more yes. efficient. So we started to see much more time in our day to do things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was just a very interesting um, way of looking. And now it's all about focusing on some simple things. No, oh, it really gives you that opportunity to bring it down to the essence and make sure you know what, what the core yeah. is. And, uh, and of course, all of those things like the events will yeah. come back and, and they will be wonderful, but it's actually a good way of looking at what is the core of what yeah. we're doing. And now you are back in the physical space, in the school, looking back and reflecting on this entire experience and the successes and challenges, what are some things that you will definitely be taking forward and integrating into the school and into teaching and learning? Yeah, so really driving forward how technology as a tool can be used. I think we were using it as a tool, but kind of ad hocly, it wasn't, it wasn't being done Um, consistently enough for it to be effective but the big thing that I'm reflecting on is that all we've really done is replicated in person online so we haven't really pushed the boundaries of online so Mm -hmm. what I really want to move forward now and this is probably the next question is start to look at how technology can actually facilitate more time for students and teachers in the classroom so looking at AR and there's a lot of really good work right now going on in the UK um, about how, how AR is helping with formative assessment, helping with content delivery, and the teachers and the students are then being able to have much more rich conversations with each other without worrying about some of the stuff that can be done by um, the collection of data and like the, the blockchain stuff that you can get from that. So I really would like us now to start researching what tools can we use in technology that will actually give us more time for when we're in person to have much more effective time together rather than the old model of 
teacher has content, student talk and gets information that way. I think AR and some of the work that's going on right now could really in the future, give us some more time back to do some of the more fundamentally important skills um, that, that, that humans can do together. Yes, it is all about that, isn't it? About finding the most valuable ways that people, what they're contributing to the learning and the teaching, but putting some of the things that can be done by machines uh, into the hands of machines. Yeah. If it's giving us back time, if it's giving the ability to actually do more of the really valuable face-to-face -face activities and discussions, that is so important. And often isn't there, there isn't time mm -hmm. for. So now that the students and the teachers are back, what are you hearing from their perspectives that they are folding into their new routines and new ways of teaching and learning from this experience? Yeah, so the big, one of the big things is, is the ability for a classroom to be online and in person at the same time. I mean, that is revolutionizing gaps in learning. So now if a student's off for a test for whatever reason, they're still on, they can still learn. And we have never had that before. We would have absences, absence rates, particularly this time of year when it's the flu season and stuff like that. Students would be off school and their gaps in learning would get bigger and bigger. So now we've noticed for our absence rate, because we have an attendance system that's now online or in person. So kids can join classes all the time. And we felt that that might be a lot for teachers, but as a teacher myself, you very quickly get used to having online learners in the classroom and just students in the classroom. So what does that look like? Yeah, so we have, um, so it's different for each teacher for whatever their comfort levels. So I, for example, will have um, a computer which is, that has a classroom view for the online learners so you can see it, they're on a Google Meet. Um, I run my um, keynote through my phone. And then we have discussion boards for a student will lead the discussion post board. So that every discussion is going to be online. The student will lead it from their computer. And so everybody in the community, I have headphones so I can hear the online learners and their questions. And so mm -hmm. the lesson goes on. They're asking questions. They're contributing to the class. The kids are asking the online learners questions and they're just part of the environment. And over the last eight weeks, I've just watched the class now. And the online learners were leading some learning in the classroom and the classroom kids were asking them questions and it's just seamless. It's, it's, just, fantastic. And it, it's interesting. I hear a lot of criticism in the press uh, where saying that that's impossible. Teachers shouldn't be made to do that. And I think it's ridiculous. It's like the teachers are learning. One of my teachers said to me this morning, he said, I've never learned so much. And he's loving this fact that he's, he's learning technology, but he's learning new skills to collaborate. Um, the community's strong. The masks make it difficult to see expression. So that's one of the, we now have eye, we have rules about eye contact and expression through eyes. Oh, really? What are those rules? So our drama teacher um, is amazing. She, she teaches us about eye expression. So when you smile, your eyes change. And so a lot of students stop that smiling because they just, no one can see it. But it's important if you are having those emotions to do it and over exacerbate it, see so your eyes change. So, so teachers can actually see expression around the classroom. That's a very, very good way of finding ways around the current, uh, current restrictions. Being able to be online and in person, because there are so many important things about being yeah. in person. But having that ability, as you said, not to miss school, because especially now when you have a common cold, you have to stay sure. at home. So that makes it extremely important not to have to uh, restrict everyone from missing school. So that's a really great way of bringing it forward. And the teachers are learning and experiencing this and, 
and getting used to it. I'm sure there's a learning curve and it's difficult, (laughs) but you're supporting each other. It really has. But I was just saying to a member of staff a minute ago, I said, I am, I'm just worried because with the COVID regulations, you don't get to see each other as much. Like we go to our classrooms, Mm. we teach our lessons and we kind of retreat to our safe spaces where for contact tracing, we have to avoid being around each other as much. So some of that physical that the school is so we've we're so proud of how we are together as a as a community we're so close and it's just hard to tell how everyone's doing so right. yeah the community's great and the buddy system still happens uh but it's um it's just it's just a little bit sad that the, the, mm. some of the vibrancy of the school um it's just a bit quieter right now which it saddens me every day um, i just and i know there's nothing we can do about it we can incrementally mm-hmm. make changes to it, but it's just a culture of noise is really important because it's a school. Yes. And I want to hear noise. I want to hear excitement and I want to hear like debates and stuff. And it's just a bit quieter. Absolutely. Well, once things come back into the, into the way they were before in everybody being able to be at school and, and present and have those interactions, you said that one of the things you will continue to take forward is having the dual in-classroom and online experience. Is there anything else that you see in the future that once things are back to normal, what do you wish to still hold on to? And what do you wish to see maybe that you weren't able to implement during this very, very hectic time? Yeah, so holding on to, I, I never, ever want to lose the in-person. So that, that, I mean, although I've said it's been great and stuff like that, the, the, the in-person impact of having um, students in physical schools together, it's huge for their mental well-being for all of that. So I never, ever want to lose that. And I never want to lose the interactions between teachers and students in person. That's, that's paramount. I, we, can never, we can never do Absolutely. that. But I want to continue some of the things that have been so successful for us. So like just meetings, like meetings for meetings sake, they've gone. <laughs> like what, what I love so much now is that this culture of like, we had these sacred cow meetings that we used to always go to and they were just pointless. And, and you don't realize that until they're gone <laughs> and, and suddenly nothing's changed and things have actually got better. So I would say for sure, um, the, the more time this has given us, it's given us more time. Um, I think it's refocused on what's important in life as well. I mean, I think for all of us as a community, we start to realize that actually family, friends, community is so important to us. Mm-hmm. But the big thing is, is what can we now leverage with technology um, to enable students to access maybe our learning who those students maybe not been able to before. So students internationally, students from maybe who can't afford the tuition. Um, we're starting to look at a new business model now about um, can we offer the excellent learning and teaching we have here and the culture to make it more accessible to more people, not just um, in Ottawa, but also globally and and make it good. So that's what I mean. That's why I'm so interested in AR right now is not just have the same stuff that we do in person, just put online with a load of resources, some videos and some assessments, but can we really develop something quite incredible that's cutting edge that um, actually helps kids learn online? and not just, um, not just taking information. That's our next kind of, that's my next, that's, it's a big thing, but there is, um, I am trying to partner with someone in the UK right now who's doing a great job on it and see, uh, and see if we can start moving forward with some curriculum here. 
Great. Well, there's definitely among all the challenges and difficulties, there's certainly opportunities and realizations and lessons learned. Okay, so before we end, I wanted to ask you if you have a recommendation for a book, a video, something that inspires you and would be helpful to to the listeners. Um, so yeah, I've actually just finished reading a book called Grasp by Sanjay Sama, and it's amazing. It looks at the science of learning and teaching, and it looks at how how we learn. But um, he was the head of open learning at MIT. And what he's done is he's, he's taken a new look at technology and how technology can be used. He's taken a new look at how we actually learn and remember things. Uh, and he has this incredible insight into forgetfulness and how important it is to forget things too. Um, and how important it is for the brain to be able to have things embedded, to be able to remember things. So his, uh, his book is it's phenomenal. Uh, I loved every second of it. it. It may not be for everybody, but it was just a really cool look at learning and how as human beings we learn. That's great. Absolutely. And how to bring technology forward. That's totally fascinating. He looks at online instructional tools as well and what's useful and what um, is just the same, just different. Well, thank you very much. That's a very good recommendation. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure.